Hey everyone, I'm Jordan Henderson and welcome to the RevOps Podcast. I'm joined today by Jonathan Stevens and Brandon Redlinger. Hey guys. What's up guys? All right, so this week I actually want to talk about, last last week for people who joined in, we talked about SDR alignment and how SDR's uh, territories are formed and all sorts of SDR things and Brandon and I argued and that led to lots more arguments and we're still arguing about that. And so I thought it would be really interesting. was proven wrong on social media. I was 0% proven wrong. I was proven, <laughs> I was proven to be ahead of the curve is what we're going to call that. <laughs> the curve. We're just ahead of the curve. Um, but Innovating. so I thought, I thought considering that SDR alignment to, to marketing team and, and sales team was, was such a sort of hot button differing issue that it would be a really interesting thing to sort of take that same vein and go, go down the rabbit hole of a different team that I don't think a lot of people consider um, as a huge piece of the, the revenue operations function. Although I would, I would, fundamentally disagree with those people, um, which is the customer success team. Um, for, for people not in the tech space, it's probably important that we lay the foundation of what a customer success manager is, because I think that term is pretty much isolated to, to sort of tech startups, that sort of thing. Um, Brandon, Jonathan, either of you want to take a crack at uh, defining what customer success is? Helping customers be successful. <laughs> <laughs> See, last week when I asked you for SDR defined, you hit me with a great definition, and and I was hoping for that level of failure I, I that, that you up, just sorry. provided. Like, because <laughs> that was that was just wow. You just boosh, flash, burn. I was not. Spot. I was not a CSM on any former wow. life. Not this wow. time. Not this uh, time. So, just to lay the foundation, I actually was. I, I sort of oh. started my tech career in in customer success and then and ultimately uh, managed the customer success team before moving into sales ops. Oh, and even no as way. a sales ops manager, actually managed the customer success team. Um, so so I, I customer success is near and near and dear to me. Uh, for everybody listening, customer success management, it's CSMs or whatever you call it in your position, is just the business method of ensuring customers achieve success, their desired outcomes while using your product or service, right? And so it's actually just helping them, as Brandon said, it's helping your customers to be successful at using your products and services to solve the problems that they identified during the sales cycle and additional problems thereafter, right? How's that? Is that a definition that we can live with? I like Brandon's better. Thank you. A <laughs> little broad, a little broad, but um, it's not false. Cool. So, so, so why? And, and I think businesses probably have like they call it account manager, customer success manager, relationship manager, all sorts of things, right? Like, it, it, but it's still ostensibly the same thing. Um, and why would a, why would a business have customer success managers if you don't have them? You, you probably should. Um, the, the biggest reasons, the most common reasons for, for you to have a CS team is to reduce churn, increase upsells, improve the lifetime value of, of your customer base and your individual customers, and also improve your net revenue retention metric. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause on that one. Brandon, Jonathan, what's net revenue retention? The revenue that is retained. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Which includes upsell. Oh, which includes it, upsell, right? It does. It does actually include upsell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You say so, hey, you're on the vein here. So <laughs> hey, net revenue retention. I'll, I'll talk about it in a, in a bit more detail later. But ostensibly, what you do is you say at the beginning of a quarter, you say, hey, "I have a hundred customers. Those customers are worth a million dollars." 
at the end of the quarter, you look at that same subset of 100 customers and you factor in the ones that contracted, so they went down to lower values, the ones that churned entirely, so you lost that value, and the ones that upsell, and you say, of those 100 customers, how much revenue do I still have? And what your goal is, is to have around 120%. So like you want to upsell enough to offset churn and contraction to make that a positive number. You want to grow that existing customer base, if that makes sense. Right, exactly. So that's when people say, you know, I have 120%. Retention, yeah, the, I, exactly. Because yeah. you can't you can't actually retain one hundred and twenty percent of your customers, but you exactly. can retain one hundred and twenty percent of revenue from customers because you're growing customers, which actually shows a good that your customers are being successful because they're adding more, they're using your product more, they're buying new features, they're buying new things, right? Which which we'll talk about it later. I think it's a super important revenue operations metric, but but I'll I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. So. What I want to do, because I know, actually, Brandon, I know that you work with our customer success team a bit more closely probably than, than a lot of marketing people do, um, and, and that's for a variety of reasons with product marketing specifically. So, so I'd like to start to just hear what's important to you in customer success, and how do you work with a customer success team? Yeah, so right now, one of the big things I'm working with the success team on is um, I, I would I would bucket it into uh, customer advocacy and customer marketing. So right now, you know, I own a majority of that. We don't have a customer success manager or a, a customer advocacy manager or customer marketer right now. Um, but for me, a lot of it is, you know, I have analysts that come and say, hey, I want to talk to your customers, right? They're, they're doing, um, maybe it's a market report or something that's coming out, and they're like, hey, I actually want to talk, to talk to your customers. See how they're using you, see how they like you, that sort of stuff. Also, uh, yeah, you're talking about like Gartner, stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. And we may may or may not have some some big news coming out with um, certain well, I don't, analysts. I, I don't think it'll hopefully already be out by the time. Yeah, that's true. This, just that so is, you know, it is very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah. So, so there's there's work with analysts. There's working with customers to get quotes for media. So we have uh, placements in things like ClickZ or any other industry um, publication where either they want to talk to customers or they want just quotes from customers. We use customers all the time in press releases. So we also work with our customers to get them to leave G2 reviews. You know, like it or not, G2 Review is a game that everyone has to play these days. Um, and, you know, you have to go out and ask customers for reviews. A lot of companies don't think, hey, the first time, um, don't think like, this product is great. I'm going to go leave a G2 review. Like, you got to ask for those things, right? I, I don't think I've ever left one so, okay, unprompted. So, so I, I want to I talk about this because this, this is super interesting. And, and I think a question that most people don't answer. We do this all the time internally, right? Like, we, we tell our CSMs, go ask everybody for G2. We set goals quarterly. We want to have yes. this many additional reviews. We do all this stuff. We're very oriented around reviews on sites. Why? Tell us why. One thing uh, I can add to that, one thing I always do when evaluating tools is I pop into Google, I say, this tool versus that tool, go. And that's probably one of the <laughs> biggest reasons because most people do that. A hundred percent. I mean, it, so in, in software in general, I think like 
a lot of people do actually go to these review sites. There was a uh, th- there was a report recently um, that said ninety five percent of customers read reviews before making a purchase. Ninety two percent of B two B buyers are more likely to purchase after reading a trusted review, and seventy two percent of customers won't make any buying decision until they've read reviews. And I only know those off the top of my head because I just presented that to the team. <laughs> Slats, I told you an hour ago we were talking about customer success and you just prepped <laughs> metrics. Not a definition of customer success, though. You did not prep a definition of customer <laughs> success. <laughs> or did you? Uh, so, so, so with the G2 thing, with the G2 thing, I mean, obviously it's super important, right? And actually getting referrals and having contracted in references and having all that stuff ready and, and all that. How does customer success help you with that? Like, how do you interact with the team? What do they do? What what can they do to make sure they're getting more reviews? Tell me about that. Yeah, totally. Okay, so so all of this um, I bucket into customer advocacy because with with a company like us, we are a you know a relatively smaller startup still, right? We're not we're not a Slack, we're not a Salesforce, we're not any of those guys. Um, we do have only a certain amount of bullets in our, you know, chamber that we can ask customers for. But I, I can't go ask them. Well, I mean, I could, but it would be annoying to them. Hey, can you talk to this analyst? Hey, can you write a review for this? Hey, can you be a reference on a call, a customer call for us? Hey, can you do all? The, can you talk to uh, um, um, this press for us? Right. I, I only I have to save my asks for those customers that I really want. So I, I also work with the customer success team. Um, to say, all right, like, what's the health of this customer? Like, should I even go out and make that ask? And then when I make that ask, what's the context? Like, what's what's the recent conversations that you've had with them? So that I just don't go in blind and then make an ask and they're like, you know what, we're well, having yeah. trouble. We're, you're, not, you're, having... Not, you're not reaching out to a customer you're like, hey, can you be a reference? And they're like, no, we hate your product. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they're like, we don't even use that product of yours. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, like, oh, we're still paying for this? We're, we're not paying for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it's working with that team closely um, to, see, to see like, who have we asked recently and what have we asked them for? And then are they a good customer still to make an ask? Like, are we in good standing with them? And then it's tracking that and making sure that, you know, um, that everyone else knows, well, hey, and, we made this I, ask, don't ask for something I, else. And I imagine the the other value, like the, un, the underlying but very apparent value of a CSM is that they're a relationship manager at their core, right? Like they have built, right. their, their job is to go into these accounts and build relationships and help like really help people solve problems, which also helps you build a relationship. Because if you reach out to an account and say, hey, can you be a referral? They're going to be like, I've never heard from you, Brandon. 100%. You're probably going to go to spam. Who cares about Brandon, right? Exactly. But, but if they their person that's helping them actually be successful reaches out and makes that ask, then they might do it because it's helping them too. Cool. So, so then I have to ask the the next logical question because we talk about you know like we're we're in that you know smaller startup space and and we've all sort of been in in both worlds. Um, the logical thing to me, at least, is that it becomes less and less important the more and more insta- established you become, right? Because what I, what I'm thinking of is if I'm Salesforce and I'm selling a deal. Nobody's asking me, can you give me a customer that says I've been successful on Salesforce, right? Or am I totally off base? Yeah, no. I, I, when I was at uh, ACI, I got asked that by our AEs all the time. They always had me on calls with their potential customers. They'd even bring us out to like events 
and come in and bring other customers. So like they take us out to a basketball game and they just sick me on their prospects and have me kind of talk them up. So they definitely do some of that. It's just more of the reps as opposed to like, they don't really have CS teams. It's just more of the AEs. Mm. So, so it is ostensibly it's important even if you're massive is what mm-hmm. you're saying. Oh yeah. God, I can't even imagine the having the balls to ask somebody like at Salesforce, Hey, can you give me two referrals? <laughs> that's crazy. Um, cool. That, that's interesting. Jonathan, how do you work with the CS team? Yeah, I'm, I kind of work on an enablement fashion. So, uh, we do a lot of coordinated efforts between marketing and CS, whether it's like a webinar or something online, whether it's a white paper or something that's kind of targeting our customer base. So, I'll usually be in a support mechanism for that to enable that process. So what what is the what is like the underlying so when when Brandon's talking about you know how he works with CS, there, there's like an underlying he wants to get reviews and have everybody queued up for referrals so we can help close more business and et cetera, et cetera, right? What's the underlying goal when you're working with CS? Yeah, uh, happy customers. Happy customers. Happy, happy customers. And also, you know, kind of being able to leverage our happy customers to prospects. So being able to show uh, testimonials, being able to show good reviews, being able to just kind of on our website, you'll see, you know, we we definitely flaunt our App Exchange reviews, our Chrome Web Store reviews. So things like that to really kind of it starts with the customer, but then ends up kind of in front of the prospect to try to get them to become customers. There's a there's a thing that you're both missing that that I'm actually astonished that you're both missing as like a core goal of having good customer relationships because we just did it actually at Ring DNA and because you guys were both heavily involved with it. What do you, th- you any guesses? What do you think it is? Mm, I'm drawing a blank. We do we a lot. It. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you don't do that much. So much. Uh, let's pump the brakes on this self praise here for a minute. Just for a minute. It's launching new products. So so no, so right. what yeah, right. Like we just launched a new product. I don't know how you missed this. We just launched a new product. And <laughs> and when you launch a new product, it's super important to get some market traction right away, right? That way you can go get new customers with that product. But the easiest way to get market traction when you've launched a new product is to sell that new product into your existing customer base. And the way you do that is by working with the CS team to identify the customers who might be good fits for that new product and then have your marketing team, your marketing operations team, and your product marketing team reach out to those customers and see if they might be a fit or market towards them and schedule. We did webinars about this and all sorts of things, right? Uh, super, super helpful and wildly successful, I might add. Um, but, but, but I think a really important piece of this, because as companies launch new products, it's so much easier to go straight to your current customer base through your CSMs to get that initial market traction than it is to take it straight to new business market. Mm. Right. Totally. So, yeah. So I mean, that's a, that's a great point. A, a, a key piece of any, like product launch from a product marketing perspective is having a good beta, having a Mm. good beta, right? Getting that feedback from customers. um, And and of course, working with the CSMs to make sure that they have a successful beta. And then that way, yeah, we can go to market with good quotes, with already um, established people using that product, with logos that we can put on collateral that we're sending out into the market to get more customers. Yeah, so having having that beta is yeah, 100% extremely important. Huge, huge. And as and as a, cu- a former customer success manager and ha- having done this before, if if we're going to do a beta of a product, 
I, I would so much rather pick and choose the customer I'm working with, the because envi- I know the environment that I'm be working in. I know the problems that I'm be solving for them. I know the personalities that are going to be in the room, so I know how to sort of manage that whole project. Whereas if it's a brand new customer, I'm going into a new environment, then problems might not be the actual problems. The people might be strange. They might be weird. It might be something that's actually not that appealing to them. So it, it just creates so much extra risk to do it in a new environment. Absolutely. Jonathan, so Jonathan agrees vocally as yeah. always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's a company like we mentioned them a lot, but Salesforce does an outstanding job with how they release new products and raise awareness around those new products. I think they're definitely a benchmark to look at as far as how well they do things. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest, most successful software companies in the world is a pretty good benchmark to look at for everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I mean, you t- can look at Oracle and Oracle the Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Pot shots at Oracle. Wow. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Jeez. You guys want to unpack that? I'm feeling some strong emotions about this. Try to go to an Oracle conference. That's uh, no, this is this no this is a great this is a great transition to totally off base from where I wanted to go but y'all ever had a bad CSM? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. What happened? Yeah. Tell us. Tell me a story. Tell me the things. How? What what did they do wrong? Why were they bad? In my experience, the worst CSMs are usually the ones that just don't know enough about their own product. Like that could be possibly the most frustrating thing ever as a client to have the people who are trying to sell you not know anything and like you end up knowing more about their product and it's just like, Oh God, what have I got? I think, I think you and I have been in a few of those calls together yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> like I know Quite that, but you, your, your product doesn't actually do that. So let's, let's go over <laughs> here and do this thing. Um, well, I think, I think that's a good point. And that, that actually is a, is an interesting question of your, your, um, or an interesting point. I love your take on this question, Jordan. So, some some of the most frustrating experiences I've had too, like they're just trying to upsell me, right? Like when wh- where do you draw the line between like an account manager and a CSM, someone who's trying to get more business out of that account versus someone who's actually there to help, right? Like I've had yeah. people there who are telling me that they are there to help, and I'm asking them, all right, like. What do you, what do your best customers do? And then they're like, they buy more software. I was like, that's not freaking helpful. (laughs) (laughs) They buy this product. That's how they're successful. They buy more. It's like, no, I'm trying to get the most out of what I currently have so that I can prove to my CMO that it's actually this, this uh, investment is actually worth it. Then maybe you have a chance at upselling. I don't know. Like provide value first. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just freaking upsell me. But nothing makes you. Now we're talking, now we're talking revenue operations. Though, let's, right? let's talk revenue that, operations. That, that's the, we're, we're on the RevOps podcast. Let's talk revenue <laughs> operations because because you're because you're right, right? Like the CSM team is is responsible for relationship. They're also usually responsible for upsells in some sort of way. And I think it's super important to note how that is structured. And and the core principle, all the underlying principle of revenue operations, we talk about it being like aligning marketing, customer success, sales, right? But the actual thing is aligning marketing, customer success, and sales to your buyer's journey. That's the actual finish of the thing. And your buyer can be a new business buyer or a customer. A current customer is still a buyer, right? And so so I think it's super important to be mindful of, are we aligning our customer success team to the buyer's journey? Because if we're telling our CS team, hey, you have to go close, 
X amount of business by yourself into your current customer base, they're going to upsell, 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 upsell. That's not aligning to your buyer's journey. Your buyer's journey at, at a lot of these stages is actually just to get to use the product well. And, and they might buy in six months, they might buy in nine months, and you'll be ready when they are. But if you're forcing that issue, they're going to have a bad experience and you're going to burn that bridge way too early. One of the things that, that, that I really like to do is, is to sort of round out the answer to that question is actually to align your CS team much more closely to your sales team in a way that means when a CS identifies an upsell opportunity sort of organically or you know, in the process and conversation, they actually bring in an AE to handle that sales process. Because then the AE can be the sort of the bad cop in the room, right? Like they're the one pushing the sale, they're the one trying to make sure there's a fit. Whereas the CS person gets to maintain that relationship and maintain focus on helping them be successful on the product, which is actually a better buyer experience. But it is a great point. And I, I think that it's something for every company that has a CS team or is starting a CS team should be really mindful of the core focus of your CS team is, of course, to increase retention and reduce churn and increase upsells. But doing that in a way that doesn't interfere with your buyer's journey or your, your customer experience is, is super important. Otherwise, it's going to be you're going you're gonna to have a bad net revenue retention because for all the upsells you're getting, you're losing more customers, which is going to offset that very aggressively, right? And nothing will make you lose a customer faster than making your customer look bad. So like, if you make your ops person look bad by selling them something that actually doesn't accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, then buy. Yeah, thousand percent. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible experience. Somebody convinces you something is awesome and, and you trust them, you like them, you, you're working with them, it's going well, and then you turn it on and it just doesn't work at all. That's, it, it makes you look bad internally and then you're done with that vendor forever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then now I'm never going to uh, tell any of my, co- recommend to them to any of my colleagues. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we talked about this last, last time. <laughs> I'm going to go out of my way to tell people don't go <laughs> We know you're, we know you're spiteful. We've established that over multiple <laughs> podcasts. You're, you're still claiming victory in the SDR debate. It's just, you're just, it's just a petty, spiteful guy. But <laughs> You nailed but, me. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, but. But it is, it is, um, you, you, the other piece of that is then it goes back to all the way full circle what Brandon was talking about at the start, having referrals, having good G2 reviews. I'm going to go leave you a bad G2 review, right? Oh, and, that, totally. and, that, yeah. and that offsets 10 good ones immediately, right? And that's, that's a big problem for you. And one bad G2 review or one bad reference is, is a really bad thing. It's hard to overcome that. Right, exactly. I mean, they, I, there's a stat out there. It's like, um, Unhappy customers are eight times more likely to read reviews than uh, than um, raving customers. It's just the nature yeah. of people, right? Like they they want to they want to get their anger out somewhere. Where's the easiest way to do that? I'm gonna go leave them a, a negative review. Yeah, Yelp, exactly. Culture. You, it's it's the, um, the the NPS principle, right? Net promoter score. Yes, Are you guys familiar yes. with net, net promoter score? I'm sure you are. It's a pretty broadly termed metric. For everybody listening, net, net promoter score is the idea you ask customers on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely are you to refer XYZ Corp to your your colleagues, right? And and basically the way it's scored is it, you would think like, oh, like six is great. Six is a negative because six is six, six and below yeah. is absolute negative. Like they're, they're, they're not going to review you ever. Seven to eight is sort of neutral. Nine, 10 are the people who are actually going to go out and do stuff for you. And so, so it's really hard to have a, a good net promoter score because you need nines and tens and people don't click nine or 10 on those things very often. And so, but, but the reality is it, that's based on the metric you're talking about, which is if somebody's happy, they're still not going to refer you. Somebody has to be really happy to give you a positive review. But somebody exactly. has to be only slightly disgruntled. 
to go give you a one on G2, right? Like, it, like maybe I'm having a bad day and I can go leave you a bad review. Like that, it could be that petty, which, which is why this is such a tricky thing. And then that impacts your entire revenue operation just because you pushed too hard or you did something wrong, right? All right, so so I want I want to move forward with the CS things. So I'm curious. The CS team collects a lot of data about customers, right? There's a lot of information. There's a lot of data problems they're solving, things like that. What data, if any, is important to you guys in your roles that the, that the CS team specifically is gathering or can gather, right? So if I said, hey, like perfect universe, what information do you need to get from our customer success team to help you do your job better? Yeah, so for for me, I'm looking at things like um, what industry are they in, what se- what business segment are they in, because I I need to make sure I have quotes and ca- case studies and everything for all the industries and segments and everything that we care about most. So I need to just be able to hop into Salesforce mm. really quickly and be like, all right, pull a report this industry, this segment, and then also customer health, right? It's like, and are they a green, right? And then you can you know, um, put a lot of different things into customer health, such as MPS or other things like product usage. Um, all that will go into your your customer health score. Um, but th- those are the things that I want to know. Oh, I also want to know, like, do I have logo usage? Can mm. I actually put their logo on the website? Yeah. Or can yeah. I quote them in a, a press release or, you know, an analyst piece or anything like that? Those are the things that are super helpful for me. I love, I love, by the way, when, when a deal is closed at a company and everybody's like, yeah, what a great logo. And there's, you know, there's somebody in legal or procurement sitting on the back end, like, yeah, we, we can't use it. So we can't actually <laughs> like, say that. Yeah, exactly. it's not, we're not a great, like, they, they didn't let us, they said no to that. It's a great one for us to keep internally. Yeah, sales reps will still mention it on calls. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. But they they shouldn't. They've been told not to. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but but it happens all the time. All right, that's 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 interesting. And 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 I think um, one of the things I actually pushed the team to do it this week, Brandon. Just so you know, is to um, actually make your CS team and your and your sales team obviously just more mindful and more aware that you can contract these things in. Like I can I can contract. I can require contractually as a part of the deal that they, they do a case study. I can tie a discount to that. I can do anything like that. Exactly. That has that has value for us beyond the 5% discount that it's tied to, right? Way beyond. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you want a discount? Oh, okay. Yeah. Why don't you do a little something yeah. for me too? Yeah, exactly. It's a t- we, Every company does you know, some version of like 10 or 15% capped discounts. Just tie the exactly. same discount to a case study as whenever you can. Because that just feeds your marketing team all the resources they could ever need. It's it's a really easy thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't just give out discounts willy nilly to anyone. Like yeah. I, I've I've been I've been a part of a few uh, sales cycles recently where I asked for a discount, they just gave it to me immediately. I was like, yeah. damn, that was easy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Times are tough, yeah. huh? Maybe maybe yeah. I want a little more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what more can you do? <laughs> When's your quarter end? I'll talk to you a week before. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, hundred percent. I mean, everyone everyone knows that. Yeah, that, that's why. That's why in SaaS, all yeah. the deals come in in the last two days. Right, right. It's just the the way the flow works. All right, exactly. Uh, su- super helpful, Jonathan. What would be the data points for you? Same question. Yeah, data points for marketing operations will primarily focus around what we can use for segmentation for outreach. So that'll be things like what products they own who their champions are at the company, who are the admins on the product, who are the people who are going to be most likely to see a release and be like, oh, I want that, sign me mm. up. 
And I assume like health score is a pretty important piece for that too, right? Yeah, yeah, we need like, to know who not to email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, because that's just going to exacerbate any bad scenarios. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that I makes sense. Just it's crucial as a company to make sure you have centralized data, and I think everybody's kind of working towards that uh, in some form or fashion. But the more centralized you get with your customer data, the more powerful your marketing, your sales, and your CS teams will be. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, I, I think that's one of the, the biggest misses of a lot of customer success teams, to be honest. I, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think a lot of customer success teams operate a bit in a silo. They have their own <laughs> CRM, like Gainsight. They're operating <laughs> everything out of there. And Gainsight syncs with Salesforce, fine, whatever. It's a really hard sync to, to set up properly, as we found out when we had Gainsight. Um, <laughs> and, and, and building that out into Salesforce is, while very, very much an operational lift that, that Jonathan, you and I actually particularly did a ton of work on, um, <laughs> Is extremely valuable, though. It is worth the mm-hmm. lift. You can do it. But but having it in one system enables us to do all these upsell campaigns with marketing that are that are super powerful. It uses all that data from CS that you talked about. You can't just nod, man. You got to you gotta <laughs> use your voice. This is a podcast. <laughs> they, can't, they can't see you. Anytime there's a silence, any listener just assume Jonathan's nodding. That's, that's what's happened. Yep. That's all we'll that's do video happening. one of these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll <laughs> put a little bit of video out there. Um, cool. This is, this is super interesting. So, so if, I was to, if I was to say here's a couple of takeaways for people. If you, were, if you were talking to somebody and they were asking, what can I do to help my product marketing team? This is for you, Brandon, specifically. What can I do to help my product marketing team be more successful from a customer success standpoint? Pick like two low-hanging fruit things that you would want every CSM to, team to go do. Okay, good question. Um, like, I want... Yeah, I just, I just want them to keep updated notes in Salesforce about the the most recent conversations that you're having mm. with your customers. That like that's really it. I mean, most most likely, I'm going to slack you and say, "Hey, here's an ask. I'm thinking of this customer." Or it might be, "Hey, do you have, do you have any customers in mind?" But it's like, "I'm thinking of this customer. What do you think?" Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also going to jump into Salesforce and look what is. Uh, the most recent there. And then I, m- I might even listen to a, a recent um, QBR or something like that. Just like that, that, that information is, is key. And so it's make, like making sure it's up to date too. It's like, I, yeah. I don't want to have to wonder, is this health score up to date or not? Like, are they still using these products? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Just like making sure that data is up to date. Data at the point of decision, right? Exactly. That's a, a fun, fundamental principle. You, you need to have your customer success data readily available to your marketing team at the moment they're ready to make a decision. Right. And if it's not, I'm coming after you. <laughs> You're coming after Jonathan. <laughs> I'm gonna, and, then Jonathan and then Jonathan will slack me and be all upset that you came after him and not me. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, cool. Jonathan, same question. What, what would be like the one or two things that you would say... These are your takeaways from this podcast. Go do this and you're going to be light years ahead of where you are now. Yeah, I'd say know your product inside and out to the point where you have full coordination with sales and CS so that you're both speaking the same language. You're both targeting the same people. You you really know what you're going after and how to sell into these accounts because if you're kind of disconnected between your sales reps and, and your CS team, then you're going to have an uphill battle to climb. So unified data system. Biggest, biggest data thing. system and and just coordination between yeah. the teams in general. I think not only data, but also outside of data, just having the teams coordinated is 
even more important, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Uh, for me, by the way, it would be I, I think a lot of CSM teams do exactly the thing that you guys actually brought up earlier wrong, which is the they sell too much. Like I think CSMs should 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 help you know identify deals. They should help encourage customers to get to the deals. But I absolutely think everybody should evaluate our CS team burning bridges by selling too much. And if they are, then we need to restructure this in a way that our AEs are more involved to protect that relationship. So that would be my biggest takeaway. I think that's, by the way, I think even if you think your team is doing well, that's something you should be mindful of every six months. You should take a look at that. Like, are we, are we still okay here? Are we, are we still doing a good job managing relationships without burning bridges? I think that's super important. And it's really easy to get into that. We need more, we need to sell more. We need to sell more. We need to sell more and then forget some of those core principles. Right, like if you if you're actually doing your job, serving the customers, making them successful, the deals you don't will come. Have to worry about, yeah, exactly. Yeah, your product should sell itself. You shouldn't have to be needed to be sold to. So, like if you if you have a need and the product solves that need, then that should be all that matters. Yeah, exactly. And and you release new products, you grow your product, your offerings, all those things are ways to to upsell without actually burning bridges. You're still helping them be more successful. Which I think is kind of the underlying thing a CSM has to actually think about when they're, they're they're selling. Is this going to help them be more successful than they are right now on our product? Right. Yeah, and they need to understand the business of the people they're yeah. supporting. So yeah. they need to know that's what their really, challenges are. It's a, that's a really good point about what I think makes a really good CSM, which is somebody that's able to quickly understand the business of the people they're talking to, which is a very specific skill set, right? Because they need to understand basically an entire business, at least a business unit within a very short time. We're talking a couple of calls that they're, they have just at least enough of a grasp to coach towards that. And I think that's something that is often miss in, in sales in uh, customer success people, but it's, it's a hard thing to find. That, that's a, that's a great point. It, like yes. the, the best CSM I've ever had, like, uh, shout out to Malika at metadata.io. <laughs> like, like, Malika, you're welcome. Malika, she's, We're she's tagging like, her. She's, she was a big reason why I was successful. Like, hmm. she anticipated my needs and then came to me with recommendations. And she always came to me with, hey, we got this new feature. Or, hey, do you want to beta test something new? Or can I get your feedback on these things? Right, and they actually built features based off of my requests but she knew my intentions she knew what i was trying to do she actually knew how um i was being measured and was trying to make me successful mm. and and now like uh, here i am like not even a customer anymore and i'm still giving her a shout out i gave her a shout out on linkedin last week just you're just all over malika you just, she's the best it, isn't that yeah. isn't that the best scenario though when you're uh in that you're, you have like you're working with a vendor who has a pretty good product, but you're sort of like their beta ICP, and they're just ready to just engineer things for you. Uh, yes, yeah, we'll send it exactly. to the product team. It's gonna be ready in a week. Don't worry about it. We understand it's important. If it's important to you, it's important to everybody. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. It's so good. It's the best. It is the best. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna add to that too. Like especially in the financial services industry, that is one of the most complex industries. And if you don't have a handle on how those people are set up between contact centers and their direct business and their B two B business and all of the complexities involved in that, then you're climbing an uphill battle as a sales rep. So and a CSM. Totally, totally agree. 
Um, cool. This is super helpful. So I think those are some really good takeaways. I want to, I want, I, we're about 40 minutes in, so I want to sort of transition us <laughs> they to get longer and longer. They do. Time. Yeah. We just get, I mean, Jonathan just doesn't stop talking and it just I goes know. and goes Man. and goes. <laughs> then he just nods for a few minutes and, uh, <laughs> I want to segue to what we always end with, which is this week on LinkedIn. And, and I, I lied at the top of this, by the way, I said that like the, we had a great conversation about SDRs. So I want to talk about CS. I actually got a question on LinkedIn about CS stuff. And I, that's what sort of queued up this whole thing. It just sounded better the other way. So, so here we are. <laughs> um, so I can be honest about that now that we've had a good conversation. Um, so, so the question I got on LinkedIn was, is actually, it was based on the fact that somebody knew that I had managed customer success team before. And, and as somebody who has a, a younger company and they're, they're starting a customer success team and they're, they were asking me, what is the most important customer success metric to you? And so I thought that was a really interesting question because there are a lot of them. We've actually talked about a lot of them on, on this call and, and I'd love to hear from you guys. I have, I have my favorite, obviously, and, and I have problems with them because as you guys know, I'm very strongly opinionated about which sort of metrics are used. Um, but I'd love to hear from you guys which ones you think are the best. Uh, well, the first ones that come to my mind are going to be your retention, obviously, mm. um, NPS, and then product usage. Got it. You picked up on one that I hate, by the way, but we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> all leave right, that. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to let Jonathan go, and then, then I'll ask. So t- well, tell me, why do you like NPS? <laughs> I th- I think that is I mean I, I think it's a pretty solid indicator of whether someone is actually getting value from your product or not. Do you don't think so? I think it's a great indicator of if somebody was getting value from your product six months ago, because NPS is by definition a lagging indicator in my opinion. If you have say you've had a ter- say you've had a terrible experience on a product for four months and then the last two months have been great and they reach out to you one to ten how likely are you for? What are you a three? Like it, it takes a long time to move the needle on that, so it doesn't, to me, represent how we're doing right now, which is actually what I care about, right? I don't, I don't care how we were doing six months ago. I want to know right now how do you feel about us, but that's not the way MPS is structured, in my opinion. Now, well, I, I mean, I've, I've had, so I mean, this is part of um, the conversation we had earlier a little bit, but it's like, um, um, if, if a customer is a hot customer. Don't you think they are going to actually leave a negative NPS? That's how they're doing right now. Yeah, but but if they're a hot customer and then you resolve them being a hot customer, all of a sudden you've turned it around, right? It's going really, really well. It's been going really well for two months, but they were a hot customer for six months before that. They're not going to give you a positive NPS now. And and so so, but if even if they're doing really really well, they're not going to give you a ten, right? And so so. They're gonna the, the NPS is representative of their entire experience on your platform, and and by the way, it's it's one of those things where I think first impressions, the first month implementation makes such a difference in NPS, which is sort of oh, unfair totally. to the metric because three years later, if it's the same sales ops guy that had a real crap implementation, you get somebody like Jonathan who hated the three month implementation process. <laughs> two two years later, he's like, yeah, like I'll give you a six, but. You know, I'm not going to re- recommend you to anybody. I don't anybody go to what, what I went through two years ago. Well, right? I, I almost think it like it holds teams accountable. Like you, you have to freaking do a really good. Like it sets the bar pretty high. I, but I, you could never. I don't, I don't think you. I think there's people you could never move in it. That's that's you think why so? I think. Yeah, I, for for real, me. If if I have a terrible first six months on a product, even if we're still using it a year and a half later, and even if we're using it reasonably successfully, I'm not forgetting that. I'm never going to refer somebody to that experience. There's no, right, there's no universe. Right. 
Okay, so yeah, maybe maybe the nuance here is you're it's it's a uh, it's scoring the experience, not scoring the actual product itself. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right, and which is why I actually like that you said product usage because product usage and product adoption to me represents a better metric to define is the product functioning well for them because if a product isn't functioning well they just stop using it right and so yeah. i think i think that one i like better for what you're trying to get at all right fair enough <laughs> jonathan same question i i promise i will argue with you too don't worry okay, give, me, give me that question again what what is the most important customer success metric to you i would say definitely usage um i would say how how many reps are being added how many are not, mm. not just reps but how many users growth. are being added subtracted growth within the organization and also just kind of a barometer on the country oh, on the country the company the in country Nice. Um, so, so what do you mean by a barometer on the company? Just to understand how well the company is doing. Are they going to be around for the long haul? Are they going to be continuing mm. to grow? That kind of thing. Around as in, like, are they going to continue to be a customer? Are they a churn risk? Are they like health score sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah, I agree and with some, all those. Sometimes you you can lose a customer just based on the fact that they don't have the budget to support your tool anymore. So yeah. And, get and rid of it. sometimes, in, you know, a pandemic hits and a bunch of your business is hospitality. Like there's, there's <laughs> yeah. just some things just that you can't, nothing you, can't, you can do. Yeah. It just is yeah. what it is. Right. And that, 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 that's a kind of thing that happens. You have to account for that, but it's, it's a, uh, so like you said, it's sometimes just unavoidable companies downsize companies, you know, lose business and they have to cut seats, do things like that. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, my favorite one is net revenue retention because I think it's the one that shows the most alignment between sales, customer success, and marketing because I actually can't actually have a positive net revenue retention score from my CS team unless sales is helping them close business and, and marketing is helping us identify and build upsells into that base. And the CS team is doing a great job of retaining customers and making sure that they're they're functioning very, very well and being successful because they're also selling them more seats, right? I think it's just a – for me, it's, it's sort of a broader – RevOps metrics than, than, than the other ones, which are very specific CS metrics, but it's usually owned by the CS team. And also, I don't think a lot of companies actually measure it, which, which I think is a bit terrifying. So if you're not measuring it, go measure it because it's extremely <laughs> valuable. And if, it, and if it's below 100%, do better. Right, <laughs> it's not good. Get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't when do you look at logo retention? I mean, I look at logo retention quite a bit, but but logo retention is is trickier to me because it, it it's always negative. You're never going to have a positive logo retention, right? Because you can't add more oh, totally. logos right. to an existing and and the the sort of caveat to logo retention is what we just talked about. I think which is you could just lose customers because they're downsizing and then there's, there goes the logo. Right. And, and that's, that's why I think that one doesn't necessarily it, it true that impacts the other side, but there's no offset to it. And so it, it doesn't show the total health in my opinion, but, but I do think logo retention is, is a good metric to look at and, and it helps you form your ICP. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you should definitely look at both because mm. I've, I've been at organizations where it's like um, it, the the net revenue retention was all hanging on one deal because it was a giant enterprise yep. deal. And it's like, you don't get that deal, you look pretty bad. If you get that deal, you look amazing. Yeah. So like it, it, like one deal could really swing it on, you know? So I, I do think you look at both. 
Well, yeah, in that scenario, you show logo retention because you don't want to show that other number. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but it makes it, me look better. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you've brought up a great point, which is is that yeah, you could lose if you have five hundred customers and one of them happens to be Microsoft and is a full bought in Microsoft, so they make up forty percent of your revenue, and they contract in half. It doesn't matter how many upsells you do; you're going to have a terrible net revenue retention number. Which which is why in that scenario, I would actually pull them out of the metric and and classify it as an outlier. Right? Like there's this huge behemoth that makes up 40% of this. We, we have to just flag that as here's why. Without them in it, here's what our number is. As well as, by the way, here's our logo retention. We only lost one customer. They just happened to make up all of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's a very real situation for a lot of oh, companies. Too. Happens all the time. Happens all right. the time. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It's a great point. And also, by the way, if you have that situation, you should have a CSM who basically focuses on that customer only. Just so you know, it should. Yeah. They, they have one Boy, job in the office. Yeah, <laughs> if you can, that's actually a thing that I've seen a lot of companies do. Is is like this person is I'm going to hire a CSM that's located in your HQ city, and they will come to your office twice a week if you want. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it, exactly. Yep. It's worth it for the business. It absolutely is. Um, cool. 100%. So, I, I like that. I think we're in a good place. So, so Brandon likes some metrics that I don't like, per usual. Um, but but, but product, I agree with product usage. I think that's really helpful. Logo is, is a really good one. And, and um, Jonathan liked to remind me again, Jonathan, it's like product usage, adoption, growth, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Yep. I think those are all really good things. I love net revenue retention. It's sort of the accumulation of all the things that you guys like. So, I think we're, we're all on the same page here. Also, churn, which we, we talked about. I think, Jonathan, you said that as well. It's a super important one. Um, cool. I love I love it. That's that's awesome. So, I think that's it. You guys have any other last thoughts? Uh, Brandon, uh, do you want to try to define customer success one more time? Totally <laughs> redeem yourself. Making your customers successful. I'm sticking Nailed with that. Nailed it. Nailed Mike it. Dropped. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. With that note, we're ending. Everybody, you're listening to this. Thank you so much. Please send me your questions on LinkedIn or send them to Brandon and Jonathan if you want their opinions first. Uh, but we, we, we uh, love this section at the end and we want to make sure we're featuring people who are listening. So please send us those and we will Absolutely. make sure to uh, work them in in the next episode. Thanks, guys. All right. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Jonathan nodded goodbye. <laughs> I figured, like, I figured I it'd be so. weird if I got in there too. <laughs> and we're it out. It felt awkward. <laughs> we have to end there. We have to leave that in. <laughs> like my, my mind was like, should I? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I made fun of you like three times for it in that episode. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. All right. It felt like the goodbye was sufficient. <laughs> Alec, what do we do here? Are we done? Are we good? I think we're good. <laughs>